Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, excuse me, what's today's Chef Special? Welcome to Chef Special, the podcast that brings you the world of food and beverage with facts and information that challenge the status quo. Hello everyone, I'm your host Patrick Honeywell with Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network, your best food destination choice. Today's special guests are Hawaii Islands Farshid Banakdar and Ken Melrose. Farshid, also known as the chocolate guy in Hawaii, is owner of the Coco Outlet, providing chocolate, fine pastry products, and ingredients for restaurants and resorts. Ken is the owner of Primavera Cacao Farm. In 2019, Ken's Cacao Beans won the Best Cacao Award at the 2019 Big Island Chocolate Festival. Ken and Farshid are Kona Cacao Association board members where their mission is to promote the cacao industry on the Big Island of Hawaii by presenting the Big Island Chocolate Festival as an educational outreach for local farmers, the hospitality industry, and cacao enthusiasts. Hey, Farshid and Ken, how are you guys doing today? Very well. I am doing great, thank you. How about yourself? I'm great. Everything's going good so far, but I, the only thing I'm kind of bummed out, I wish I was in Kona with you guys. Well, one day you can come and we can all sit together. That'd be nice. That'd be better for the show, too. It's a beautiful day. Oh, man. Yeah. I love Kona. As I mentioned before, I've uh, spent time in Kona. It's it's gorgeous uh, place. My cousin lives there. And to me, it's it's got everything, you know, the different climates and beautiful beaches. And, you know, it's interesting. I It's funny how things work out. I have a friend named Ryan Porter who I did a Costco uh, interview, and he used to live in Kona. His wife's from Kona. And then Christoph Fate uh, was a pastry chef at Four Seasons, executive pastry chef. And it's it's. And then I have another friend in pastry that lived there too. And everybody loves and misses Kona. Yeah, I totally relate to that. Anytime I go for a food show to the mainland or anything, uh, three days later I'm ready to come back. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's amazing, gorgeous. Uh, I like to start with Farshid first. Talk a little bit about your history, Farshid. About your history on the island, and tell me all about, uh, and also about the Coco Outlet, your company. I moved here with my then girlfriend about 30 years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, and being where I lived, and we had a property built on a house, there was not much around to do anything. It was far from everywhere, so I decided to start a farm, and uh, you know, grow organic baby greens, and you know, it was all a learning uh, process for me because I'd never done that. Mm-hmm. And uh, within a couple of years, we were totally in all the hotels and some hotels off island. And, uh, you know, they loved our product. Mm-hmm. And then um, so a friend of mine in San Francisco Bay Area who was importing chocolate, he called me, said, hey, why don't you start uh, you're in the hotels? Why don't you start selling chocolate? And I kind of like, mm. he said, you know, you've been in the field and, um, you know, about it you know i I was mostly a baker way Mm. back then and um, Mm -hmm. so i said sure i can give this a try and well the rest is history i ended up selling the farm and uh, expanding on the uh, chocolate business as cocoa outlet Mm -hmm. and um and uh you know we every year we grew bigger and bigger and bigger i mean uh because we're the only company in the state that solely does chocolates and pastry ingredients. Because uh, mm-hmm. there are a few other company competitors that do also chocolate and pastry ingredients, but that's a small fraction of their business. And mm-hmm. uh, so, 
There. Oh, you specialize. Awesome. And then uh, you're known as the chocolate guy. Do you want to tell us, uh, the audience, how you got to be known as the chocolate guy? Maybe because you're the only one doing a bunch of chocolate on the honor, right? <laughs> well, the chocolate guy Hawaii was uh, given to me slash adopted when, um, when uh, at the beginning of the chocolate business, um, this is back like maybe 1999 or 2000. Um, <clears throat> um, I came across this uh, amazing chocolate fountain. You know, it was very unique and uh, brand new. I had never heard or seen one. So um, I bought one. It was really expensive. Back then, they were really expensive. This was a big machine in solid stainless steel. So then um, I started doing uh, events. And uh, soon thereafter, I was given the title of the Chocolate Guy Hawaii. Gotcha. And so that kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. yeah, so. yeah, you know, I've seen, uh, Farshid, I've seen some video of that chocolate fountain in action, and that puts out a lot of chocolate, a lot of liquid chocolate. It does, for sure. <laughs> and it's a huge uh, point of attraction. Yeah, and, no um, kidding. Wow. Yeah. So uh, tell me how you met Ken, and then we'll uh, talk to Ken about his, his cacao farm. But how did you, tell me how you met and, and a little bit about the association you're both a part of. In 2011, we formed the Kona Cacao Association. It was myself and a few women, mothers, from the Kona Pacific Public Charter School. And uh, how that started is the chocolate festival, initially when it started as a fundraiser for the school, and they hired this lady from the mainland to come and run it. And she came to me. She said, you know, I need some help. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to attract chefs. So I took her with me to one of the ACF meetings, uh, our chapter here, introduced her and I told her to become a member and uh, start uh, basically talking about what they're doing. And um, uh, she did that for like three or four years Then she left and this other person acquired the chocolate festival. And, uh, but all he wanted to do is make money for himself and, um, Make a long story short, his uh, the festival he ran was had no chefs in it. It was there were no professionals, and it was going downhill really fast. And, um, and um, it was he owed a lot of money to everybody. He wasn't paying anyone, and he kept asking me to um, help him out. But mm. knowing the, that person, I did not want to get my name involved. And no uh, so. Mm. Yeah, and then finally he came and said, look, I don't want it here, you can have it. So I picked that up and talked to these ladies, uh, to the actually then principal of the Corner Pacific Public Charter School, which is a Waldorf inspired school. Hmm. And so we, we, this was like February, we formed the Corner Cacao Association and, um, and uh, I wanted a chocolate festival that year. Usually it happened, used to happen around uh, uh, June, anywhere between March and June, the dates were very, you know, debatable. And so, um, guess what? In spite of uh, such a short time we had and everything, we had a tremendously successful festival, mm. small crowd, but because we, you know, basically had to also deal with the old name of the chocolate festival that was that had a bad reputation. Mm. But uh, you know, even ended up having Jacques Torres there, and Whoa. you know, it's like 
yeah and uh so um so then suddenly from then on we got approached by like the gms and the chefs executive chefs of the few hotels are like hey we want to have this in our hotel mm. and so you know then um, we went with one of the hotels for three years and then you know then we went with uh hapuna uh western hapuna beach resort which is the current uh venue and uh and every every year it has been a lot more successful we've been making more money and uh our it's a charity fundraiser besides the education uh for the farmers you know we teach farmers how to ferment how you know to better be better growers by bringing speakers from around the country and in the state and uh you know we have a, a currently student competition in the we have chocolate classes and the regulars there at our chocolate classes are chef uh, Donald Russell from Guitar, you know, Stefan Trayan, who is a personal friend. And, uh, I know him too. You know, he's, yep. he's amazing. And, well, they're uh, both amazing. Wow. They are both amazing. Derek Poirier has been coming and, um, hmm. and um, um, we, we've had chef from uh, Cocoa Berry and Calibo and uh, of course, Jack Forrest came back another trip and brought his wife Hasty, and um, and um, so yeah, it's it's been really amazing. It's it's mm. an amazing event, and uh, it's uh, it's basically put Kona on the map. Let me say this: that when I talked to Christophe Fate, uh, pastry chef, he's at the Mandalay Bay now, and um, he mentioned you, and he said, you know, that you've done so much for the island, and I think it's it's the love of. I guess the love of the island, but the love of of chocolate, and you brought a lot of people together. And he said you've done so much for pastry and and you just everything having to do with desserts and things like that. So there's a there's definitely I think I mean if you're able to get these really great chefs in and get more people to participate, and if you work well with the cacao farmers, which we'll find out in a minute when when Ken talks a little bit. <clears throat> but uh, you know that's uh that says a lot says a lot about you. Well, thank you. <laughs> Yeah. So, so when did you meet Ken? How did that uh, come about? All right. So, you know, we, um, I was, uh, I've been the president of the Kona Cacao Association ever since it started. And I've all, we've always had, besides me, I'm the only male figure on the board. And uh, <laughs> you're a tiger. You're so, a tiger. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point, um, I suggested, well, you know, because some members uh, resigned or were leaving, and I suggested we should bring in uh, a male uh, mm -hmm. member. And um, and I don't know how Ken's name came up, but uh, he accepted, and we're happy to have him. He's a great guy. He's he's amazing. He he helps with the you know uh, membership now mm -hmm. because uh, you know and so on and. So I think Ken has been on, on the board of uh, Kona Cacao Association for two years now, Ken. It's about right, yes. Hmm. Yeah. Why don't you, Ken, tell us a little bit about your history on the island. I looked up a bit. You've been there for a while. I, um, I've been raised in Hawaii since it was a territory. Hmm. Um, no way. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my and, gosh. And uh, I moved to the Big Island in 1974. Mm -hmm. um, my background's in construction and uh, we moved to Kona in 2001. Mm -hmm. uh, the land our farm is on has, is part of holdings that have been in my wife's family since the 1870s. Oh my gosh. And so 
it's been in consistent ag, usually originally a dairy and uh, then pasture. And, and I decided to convert the pasture that we had remaining into an orchard hmm. and was warned off coffee because it was too much work by my mother-in-law neighbor mm-hmm. and uh, decided to do cacao. And it was um, a venture of, you know, getting the land ready and uh, then making some relationships that would help me understand how to do this, being mm-hmm. a complete novice at it. Um, and we start, I made my first plantings in 2015. Mm. Uh, the farm is called Primavera Farm uh, after the four stately primavera trees that mark our cardinal points on the property Mm. the first of which was a housewarming gift to my in-laws in the 1954 so that tree is now 100 feet tall and uh, very dominant in the landscape when it goes into full yellow flower in uh, early march Um, to the point Mm. that fishermen offshore use it as a landmark for where the beginning of the Ono run turns offshore. Um, But I've been converting our our, uh, pasture into orchard now uh, since first planting, so like 250 trees in 2015, Mm -hmm. now up to about 400 trees. A couple of them, a couple hundred, about a hundred of them have yet to start producing as I started to learn more about the varieties and try to find different um, genetics to try to introduce into the orchard. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, I do, I, I process, I'm a sole proprietor, one, one man show. Uh, we process from uh, wet bean. I have a batch in ferment right now, another one on the roof and a ton of dry bean in storage aging as I begin to develop markets for the chocolate that we make. That sounds that sounds uh, fantastic. So let me ask you about, uh, I think it was, um, yeah, Christoph had mentioned that uh, Hawaii is the only place in the United States that actually cultivates cacao. Um, oh, is that true? Yeah, that's true. And the, the, the state of Hawaii is the only place where it can grow mm-hmm. because it thrives below the 22nd latitude mm-hmm. parallel. Mm-hmm. Um, below about 2,000 foot elevation. Yields decrease as you go up slope, but it can do very well. Cocoa is really an ideal place to grow cacao. We have very light winds. The, the cacao tree, because of its large leaf and its tender new leaves, is very susceptible to uh, wind that will actually dry out the stems and kill that branch. So. It's very important to have light winds. The trees need to be protected when they're young. Uh, we use uh, fence cable uh, cages with shade cloth around them. You know, Kona has a really gentle slope. And in the afternoon, we get uh, overcast. Cacao generally likes uh, a shade cover, although it grows very well in full sun. but it uh you know afternoon overcast helps a, a great deal and we have superb soil volcanic soil i mean it's the same soil that is makes the renowned uh kona coffee mm. and it, i think they're very similar in the in the requirements of the cultivars so um, makes sense it's very good the other thing we have is very few pests 
mm. or, or funguses uh, here for, for cacao. And that's a, a big help. Is it because of your location on Kona that that area just doesn't have the fungus and the, the you know, some of the problems? I think it's primarily because of our isolation. Mm-hmm. And I think the other part is our, our industry here is, is reasonably new. Mm-hmm. You know, Farshid probably knows when the first plantings were, but I, I think that I know, I know of trees from the people I've tried to meet out that are in the business here, of trees that are 20 to 25 years old and still producing very nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, although often at that point, the ownerships have changed and the interest in the, that particular crop have waned. But the, I, I think that the industry is, has been here for quite a while. There is some, because of there are some challenges in the uh, coffee industry, primarily the coffee berry borer beetle mm. that have really been affecting uh, yields and increasing operational costs. There is some interest in transitioning some of um, smaller farms out of coffee and into cacao. And so I think there's an opportunity to grow the market here. Mm-hmm. Um, I do the the last Big Island Chocolate Festival. I mean, I'm very proud to have won that uh, best cacao. It was mm-hmm. based on dry bean, not on finished chocolate. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay. dying for that competition, so I can uh, enter that as well. But nice, they, we're working the, on that, Ken. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a focus that we might, if if or when we're able to hold the Big Island Chocolate Festival again, if we can find a way to create a focus on the Kona cacao, uh, Kona chocolate, uh, and, and have some friendly competition, you know, it might be a kind of way to, to, to start to build it. But I think that Kona, because of its panache, both for its weather and as a place to live and, and its coffee industry, mm-hmm. we have the opportunity to actually brand Kona cacao like coffee and to uh, have that premium, premium market. All we need is some visitors back, right, Farshid? That's right. Actually, you know what it is? We have the most land here in the States, most suitable land for growing. And, and one of the reasons that uh, Ken, I mean, Ken mentioned that we have the least problems with cacao growing in terms of bugs and fungi and stuff like this is because also we have sunshine and a breeze, you know, mm-hmm. unlike some areas on the island where it's a lot of rain and uh, they even have a hard time to dry their beans. And, mm. um, and, and so he's right. Actually, we stand a great chance of being really, um, uh, really well uh, known as the best beans and perhaps even the best chocolate because all the visitors I brought from uh, the mainland, all the experts, including mm-hmm. Jacques Torres and Richard Foley and uh, a few others that come they see the beans, they go, wow, this is, you guys have really nice beans here. Hmm. And, uh, and so this is why we try to teach fermentation to proper fermenting the beans. And we even have a competition, like Ken mentioned, at the Chocolate Fest, where the best fermented bean um, gets uh, judged. And Ken, of course, won last year. And, mm-hmm. uh, we're very proud of him. Mm. Statewide competition That's yeah amazing. statewide competition and uh, <laughs> we do have a chocolate awesome. bar competition that i'm hoping ken can come and beat everybody next time we have it. no kidding well i'm a fan yeah, now that makes but... two of us <laughs> <laughs> you know when the, when you have that when it comes up again the competition or the festival i'm gonna I, i'm gonna be there i haven't been to one yet um 
I'd love to be there. My wife would be. Oh, it's a, it's a must attend. Yeah. I don't know if you have any uh, radio coverage over there, but I'd love to do a, a podcast just to do a recording too, and maybe interview Ken and you uh, Farshid again, and maybe even talk we about do, the competition. Actually. Yeah. You know, the SoCal uh, radio show, Food Network, uh, SoCal radio show that does all food. Mm -hmm. um, this is a, a radio station that comes every year and does a live broadcast from from the hotel, you know, and uh, we're, we're, he interviews me and a few other people and then some chefs hmm. and chocolatiers. So mm -hmm. you may want to come and join us there. Oh, that'd be, so, that'd be awesome. So let me ask you a question uh, for either of you. Uh, probably Ken could answer this. I know that there's, uh, in coffee, there's different quality beans. The pea berries is, uh, is pretty well known to be a, a great bean, but it, probably a lot of the same things having to do with cacao when it's picked, you know, how ripe it is, uh, the whole thing. If you, you mentioned some genetic uh, manipulation, maybe in uh, doing certain uh, cacao, are there one or two types that seem to do really well on the island that you lean towards um, in, in, in producing? Or, and how many do you actually produce different types? Well, they're not, there's a, a portion, there are basically three varieties of cacao. Forestero, which is the hardiest, uh, one Trinitario, which is a blend of uh, a genetic cross of the Forestero and the specialty Criollo bean. Mm -hmm. That is, uh, the Criollo is unique in that the bean, the inside of the bean is actually white. And so mm -hmm. it makes a much lighter color chocolate. It has a different character flavor, uh, more caramely uh, than the, the fruitiness of the uh, darker uh, Trinitario beans. Mm -hmm. um, I think. In Kona, it would be very hard to say that unless your farm was isolated, that you're, you had a true genetic. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the cacao is fertilized for a very small midge, like a small gnat. Mm -hmm. And it goes, it's voracious as it moves through an orchard. So it will touch many trees and many blossoms as it goes. And so inside each pod, you'll find a variety of colors and density of color in there between the white and the uh, dark purple. So I think that the, the, the Kona variety is pretty much, you could just call it a Kona variety, is pretty much Trinitario throughout. There have been some attempts to bring in some specialty um, um, rootstock from others, other places and to graft. University of Hawaii did a lot of research early on um, well before my time, and we're in the Farshid and I are in the process of unearthing where those places are and going back and find those original cultivars, uh, so we can see if there's a a way to uh, rejuvenate some of them or use them as as stock for uh, uh, cloning or or whatever. But um, I think grafting. Yeah, I I just don't know Farshid. I, some of the original varieties came in from out of the country you can't do that much anymore without some very special customs and ag inspections we become so paranoid about uh, invasive species in the state of hawaii that it becomes very difficult to do that so i think um and of the ones in kona about uh, about 60 percent of the cacao farms in the state of hawaii are on the island of hawaii mm -hmm. and uh, most of the acreage though is on 
Oahu because of, they converted some big plantation sections that are going. Mm. That's the Dole plantation, basically. That uh, yeah, and started and out in the nineties. Yeah. Mm. yeah, in the Walua, yeah, mm -hmm. in Robinson lands out there. So they, they, uh, but you know, the island of Hawaii has about adding about 50 acres a year as, mm -hmm. as it goes on. There's been a lot of it on the East Hawaii side uh, where they're also converting what was um, plantation land. But you know, rainfall. That's serious over there, and more rainfall and more dampness and less light. They get more fungus. Mm. Um, they also have on the east side of the island, and we're blessed not to have yet an Australian longhorn beetle mm. uh, that you know bores and leaves its uh, young in the tree, and and it destroys eats the kills the tree from the inside out. Oh my! That and that's become a problem in 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 mostly Puna. Is trying to isolate it into Puna, but it's one of those silly things, you know. Mm -hmm. That bug came in in a shipping pallet mm -hmm. for something that went to a oh. farm someplace and and went wow i like this climate. yeah I'm out what, of here. what an amazing place i think i'll stick <laughs> around yeah, I'll stick around. <laughs> yeah so to speak wow but statewide you know there's we we grow about 20 metric tons of dry bean a year hmm. only um about six metric tons are coming from the island of hawaii at this point most of our farms are small Okay. And, and that is because that is because Dole Plantation has had those 25. They've had 20 acres since the 90s, mm -hmm. and they have the most mature trees, I believe, on the island, uh, on the state, basically. And and uh, but the you know, but I think Island of Hawaii is catching up very fast here because we have more of farmers in numbers and more farmland, basically. Mm -hmm. And, and most of and, us don't um, need irrigation. That's the other part of it. You know, that whole dole part needed uh, needed ag water out of the Waiholi ditch, mm -hmm. uh, out of the old ag water systems. Even the new, fairly large new plantings in Kapolua on Maui are taking water out of the old Lahaina ditch uh, system. So we're fortunate to be in the, particularly Maukakona, which is where we grow best, right in that 50, 60, and 65 inches of rain a year spread reasonably evenly through the year that make it a, a good place to, to, to grow. Mm, amazing. Well, let me ask you, Ken, a little bit about the, uh, the harvest itself. How do you know it's ripe? Well, the cacao grows in a pod, mm -hmm. um, larger than a mango, generally, smaller than a rugby football, usually. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Although I have a couple of trees that make those that are just wonderful to see it grow. Mm. The, the beans will turn, the, the pod will often start, usually starts green, sometimes red. Criollo will always start red and stay there. Mm -hmm. the, the, the way you tell if it's ripe or not is most of us farmers have one longer thumbnail than another. And we <laughs> scratch that pod. Ah. And and you can tell from looking at the the that scratch mark if it's yellow, whether the bean the pod is yellow, red, or whatever color it is, orange, mm -hmm. it'll be yellow underneath, and that's the sign that's ripe. And like citrus, though, cacao can actually stay on the tree, hang on the tree for a long time as it as it is ripe and still maintain its ripeness mm. you have to be careful that 
it doesn't get too ripe and then start to sprout on the inside. That happens to all of us. Uh, or you let some of the tree, some of the pods on the tree get too ripe and they start to begin to rot on the tree. But you have to take and separate those out. Mm, gotcha. But you, you you test by by scratching the the pod and then once you have a general sense on a tree, you know you take them one by one and they're generally harvested with clippers. The cacao is an interesting fruit. It grows on the main trunk and main branches as a, as a large uh, fruit. It doesn't hang from the peripheral branches mm -hmm. like citrus does or mm -hmm. avocados um, or ulu. Interesting. Hey, I had a, I had a quick comment. Uh, so I'm, I'm imagining your one of your fingers has a long fingernail. So it's kind of like a guitar player that uses his fingernails to. Pick. <laughs> so if I'm if I'm at the airport in Kona, I'm looking around and about there's ten guys standing there, and a couple of them had long, long, a couple of long fingernails. They're either cacao farmers or maybe guitar players. Is is that about right? Right, right. And and the way the way you tell the difference is the, the cacao farmers his his thumbnails dirty. <laughs> oh, gotcha gotcha okay yeah. that makes sense that means, that means he's working he's not you know yeah right. lazy he, he didn't he couldn't get that stuff up from underneath it's already stained the cuticle underneath so so you you take those pods or the cacao bean pods and then you you take them off and you do you break them open and get the beans out to ferment or how does the fermentation process start you, you need to you need to open the pod and okay. there are a variety of methods. Some people smack them with a hammer. Some people have a, 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 a lever-driven bar that cracks the pods. I use a, a near-patented device called the Primavera Slide, hmm. uh, which is a, a, not a knife, but a, a piece of strap metal in a, in a bar that I roll it on. That's mm -hmm. because having been a carpenter, I got some carpal tunnel and, you know, I. I whacking things all the time sets that off so mm -hmm. you roll them open the pod and then pull out the beans separating it away from the placenta of the of the pod itself and then those beans are in a bucket now one of the fun things to do i have my first full bucket of pods that i are beans that i make i use it and put it into a bucket that the bottom of it is all drilled out and they generally dealing in five gallon buckets because that's five-gallon bucket of wet bean weighs 40 pounds, and that's sort of a normal lift kind that's of situation. That's a workout. Yeah, it's a workout. Yeah, though. well, it's it's not coffee in 100-pound bags. Let's just put it that way. That's yeah, better. Um, okay. And and that's <laughs> beyond, at my at my ripe old age, that's a little beyond my But <laughs> But that, that uh, uh, wet bean settles out and crushes a little bit of the mucilage that's around the, the pod, and, and the, if you double bucket that, it collects the nectar and it's called the nectar of the gods and it is delicious. Mm. It's very good with sparkling Perrier. Mm. It's very good. Very good. Do you have it's any very good period? With, it doesn't last very champagne. long, unfortunately. <laughs> Do you have any well, photos? It, it, it should, Do you have any photos of this? Champagne, and it's really good with a lighter dark rum. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, with a chocolate uh, yeah. stick. it actually tastes very citrusy, right? So yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 a, it's a very hard flavor to describe. It's really delicious. And, you know, I know some chefs because we, at the Chocolate Fest, we have these competitions also amongst the chef participants who come to serve their savory and dessert dishes to the public that buy the ticket. Mm -hmm. And we inspire them to do cacao-based uh, recipes. And I know one chef that 
you know, using maltodextrin um, turns this juice into a powder and uses it in his dishes that are mm. just to die for. It's really amazing. Mm. So, sounds yeah, amazing. Guy on Oahu, uh, Ned, Ned Bladder at uh, Manoa Chocolate, he, he has a special uh, recipe Madre for his chocolate, chocolate for sure. right? Huh? You had mm. his chocolate? He is a, he's got mm-hmm. a triple chocolate that he uses, uh, I think it's a 70 or 75% uh, oh cacao blend, but he uses um, um, cacao nibs and he uses crystallized nectar into it. And it's uh, quite a, a unique and delicious bar. Wow. Uh, I don't think anybody in the- He makes, a, he makes really say, good chocolate. I was gonna say, I don't think anybody in the mainland is, is doing some cool trick stuff like that here, you know? Interesting. <laughs> they can't <laughs> grow it. Well, nah, they know, gotta call you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you see, that juice is really hard to preserve because oh, okay. when it's fresh, it's, you know, it's just a juice, but as it sits, it ferments and it becomes fizzy. Actually, within three to five days, it's like mm. drinking a champagne. Like actually, champagne. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And, uh, but it's yeah, amazing. It's, it's like what happens with apple cider. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So Ken, on the on the process, so you've got the beans. Are you separated them, pulled them out of the the main body, and then you dry them? Correct. How does it? How well, do the dry? first step after you've you've collected your wet bean is to uh, ferment it, and that's in oh, a vessel okay. of for a variety of sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, most of us with small yields, as we get excited at the beginning to start doing this in some size of a 40 quart cooler or something and, mm-hmm. and move up uh, to a, a bigger box. The bigger the box, the more the cacao mass, the more naturally it creates the, the heat it needs uh, to do its fermentation process. Now, I'm not a chemist, so I'm not going to tell you what that whole process is, but the fermenting takes about a week. It gets stirred so that the beans stay mixed and the heat becomes uniform across the mix. Mm-hmm. And the, the mucilage on the outside of the beans melts in that process and the enzymes in it go into the bean and help develop the flavor of the bean. Mm-hmm. After Very a week in ferment, the temperature starts to drop, peaks out, wants to hold for a couple of days, a day or two at least in the 120 degree range. Mm-hmm. And then goes up uh, onto drying boxes that are either in, not in Pune, but in Kona, they're in the sun. And um, they dry for a week, takes that long to get the moisture content out of them. Uh, during this time of year, I actually have to finish them in a dehydrator, take the last couple of percentage of moisture content down. I like to try to store them at about 5% um, with Farshid's advice. Um, I have uh, begun the practice of storing my dry bean for a year or more before I make chocolate out of it. Wow. Very often, I can't wait, right? Got to find out how that ferment <laughs> went. So we make a batch, but, you know, that's, that's just sort of a precursor to tell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, store it and then mm-hmm. make chocolate out of it. That's so if you waited, yeah, so Ken, if you, uh, let's say you waited only like, a couple of weeks or a month versus one you kept for a year or more, what would the difference be in the, in the flavor or the texture in the finished chocolate? Um, you know, it'd be, it, I think it'd be smoother and, and uh, in, in, in flavor and 
I mean, maybe Farshid's better to answer that one. I, I just think that it's, it's, it's like wine, you know? I was going to say, it's exactly like aged wine, you know, mm -hmm. that as it sits, it becomes less acidic and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and uh, more mature and like uh, you hit it on the, on the head, uh, its uh, flavor becomes a lot smoother and a lot more pleasant. Does it have affect the body, kind of a nicer body to it too, like a nice glass of wine? Yeah, that's that's really, um, I think, a result of of how you turn the cacao bean. Because once you have dry bean and it's aged to where you want to use it, mm -hmm. you need to roast it and then crack it so mm -hmm. that you take and so that you break. So the cacao bean is different than coffee. Coffee has a single bean in the middle, mm -hmm. and the cacao is a multi-segmented bean on the inside and it will crack and come apart into fragments called nibs. So you need to separate the husk from the nibs using a winnower. And then the, the nibs are pre-ground and then put in a stone on stone grinder called a melanger or conching machine. And we in a variety of recipes. Everybody does something a little different. Mine's really simple. Three ingredients. I put a little cocoa butter in it to uh, smooth things out, loop things up at the beginning when everything's coarse, mm -hmm. uh, and then add the, co the cacao, ground cacao nibs. Uh, it stays in there for at least 12 hours until most of the what's left of the acids and sharpness have effervesced out of the grinding process. And then I add organic sugar to it and, and let it run it for another 12 hours. And the reason I, I wait for the sugar and pre-grind my sugar is I want my sugar and the liquor to be in the same, basically the same micron size. So I'm not grinding sugar. Um, it kind uh, of so, melts, melts in there, kind of macerates. Yeah, it, it yeah. all goes into a wonderful a liquor, a chocolate liquor. Wow, beautiful. You know, and my machines are small. I, I do a three and a half kilo batches at a time. Mm -hmm. It allows me to make 60 bars every time I fire up the process. And, Interesting. So, so if I may add into this, like in regards to uh, what makes really a chocolate better than the others is, um, I have an example. I know this wonderful farmer on the other side of the island who's been doing it for over 20 years. Um, and unfortunately his uh, fermentation is not the best. Now it has improved because he brought in a guy that really worked on this and his chocolate making has never been really good. And so one year when I had Richard Foley here and he's a great chocolate maker, he took some of those beans back, came back the following year, brought some chocolate. When I brought that chocolate to this farmer friend, he tasted, he said, wow, these are some really amazing chocolate. Where are they from? I said, Tom, these are your beans, man. He says, no way, you know, he could not believe it, you know? So it really, you know, besides the beans being good and well fermented and all of that, it also takes the touch of the chocolate maker. Mm. Or, of course, or, you know, also the equipment make a big role, you know, play mm. a big role in there. Mm. So, but really, you know, it all depends that you have to develop a, like an eye for it and a, 
and a palette for it, basically. And uh, so, makes uh, sense. So, Ken uh, at Primavera, who do you do you sell? Who do you sell to? Who are your customers? Um, the the folks that I've been selling, and I'm I'll be real honest with you. I've uh, been real cautious about the the selling part mm -hmm. because I, although I've given away a lot of chocolate, as far as she can acknowledge. <laughs> um, That's right. I haven't and gotten any yet. Come on. I apologize. I didn't know you until today. <laughs> I'll so. be when I come next time. <laughs> One day. Okay. Hey, um, but I wanted to make sure that let's let's just that I, I have to assume based on my life history that because I'm trying it, I'm gonna do a good job at it. Mm -hmm. And so at some point I need to make sure that once I start, mm -hmm. I can fulfill what would be a demand that I would create. So I've been cautious about moving it forward with this. And I now have about 1,200 pounds of dry bean. Um, that's what, eight, 9,000 bars um, that I could make out of them. And I think that, and, and I'm now producing uh, about um, 1,000 pounds a year off my farm. So I can, I, that's sort of my, my sustainable goal. So where do I sell it right now? The, the folk I've had it at a at a couple of retail outlets that are now shut down because there are no visitors. Um, okay. And hmm. that and and a couple of wholesale places that put it in their gift baskets as part of all Kona products mm -hmm. uh, that are going out. Um, nice. And there and then I've recently selling at the farmers the pure Kona Green Market at Amy Greenwell Garden on Sundays. Um, and, and trying to expand the, the market that way. At the same time, I try to develop new farmers and grow seedlings and try to suck more people into this industry. <laughs> awesome. Mm. You're a great, great ambassador, both of you, to the island for the cacao. It's pretty awesome. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so um, between the two of you, I'm thinking one of you has probably got a recipe, maybe for the audience, take a share on chocolate. I know that uh, Farshid, you have a huge pastry background, but so you probably know, um, have a, uh, maybe some tips on a recipe and maybe Ken, just some tips on what to do with the nibs. Um, I, you know, of course, as you know, chocolate has millions of recipes. For and sure. um, but one of the things that uh, I did for, uh, you know, back then when the Wailua chocolate started uh, or having guitar make their chocolate for them and they were having a tough time selling it and I was helping them sell it basically and um, I invited them to come to a chocolate fest and uh, to have a booth and have something made with their chocolate so I ended up making it for them I made these uh, flourless chocolate cakes in mm. individual portions mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, I think we had like 1200 portions disappear in like an hour and a half oh. or something so, oh so um so what did you serve to the red wine booth i think it had to be a good uh, recipe so what just tell me what goes into your flourless chocolate cake okay it's a very rich uh, uh, recipe it's got mm -hmm. eggs uh, sugar water and I, I mixed two two percentage of chocolate they have the 70 percent and a wow. 55% and I mm -hmm. combined the two to just tone it down a little bit because, uh, you know, just making sure it's palatable to every 
every taste, everyone's taste, basically, and butter, of course. Mm -hmm. So um, I can send you the details of the recipe if you wish, but basically what you do, um, would you like me to describe it or just yeah. send it to you? No, I think the description would be nice. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So, so basically you whip the eggs in sugar and uh, there's two parts sugar in here and uh, in, in, on your number two gear and with a whisk, and then on the number four, each time for 15 minutes, you, know, you make it fluffy. And then uh, separately, you boil the water and the other portion of the sugar. And uh, you pour this over the butter and the chopped up chocolate, which is a combination of 70% and 55% mm -hmm. until everything is melted. Then, um, then you pour the content in a bowl and mix basically the egg mixture slowly with a whisk. Mm -hmm. you know and you do this by hand mm -hmm. you let it sit overnight then i usually use these uh, aluminum two ounce aluminum containers mm -hmm. um, they're a nice portion i i uh, spray them and put some dip them in sugar so they got some sugar granule and uh, type it in there and um there you have it uh, and then, no i'm sorry you gotta bake it of course then you poach them you poach like a, them like a creme brulee, um, chocolate brulee by Farshid. Exactly, and you <laughs> poach them for about forty-five minutes, and um, and uh, there you have it. You can freeze this in um, indefinitely. And uh, the best part is, you take it out of the freezer, you pop it out on a plate, you put it in a microwave for like six, seven, eight seconds, and uh, when you cut it open, chocolate oozes out of it. And, wow. Um, and of course, it can be served with uh, ideally with like some kind of a raspberry sauce and fresh raspberries or something like that, something to counter the sweetness, you know. Mm. The, but um, wow, that sounds fantastic. So actually, I wouldn't mind if you did email uh, your recipe to me, and then because people that hear this description, I mean, I, I kind of want to make it for my wife even at home here. Uh, oh, she's going to love you for it. I mean, it's, uh, well, she's going to love you and me. So, uh, and, and Ken too, because right. he's on the podcast, you know, so no, that'd be awesome. There you go. <laughs> Hope to see you in one of these chocolate festivals. Uh, no, I'll, I'll be there. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I, I followed them a couple of times. I think a friend, Vincent Pilon, you know, Vincent out at he's cosmopolitan. I think he talked yeah. about going once. I don't know if he ever did. Yeah. He's, he's been, the, he's been asking me actually, he says, so when are you going to bring me there? And so, and I've been wanting to bring Christoph also because, you know, oh. but I, you know, usually we have such a short amount of time and mm -hmm. we try to bring our sponsors, you know, uh, like uh, uh, Calibo Cocoa Berry, we bring Alicia Boada mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Varona usually sends uh, um, Derek Poirier. Mm -hmm. and, and then on our behalf, I invite usually Stefan Trayan mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I do want to sometimes mix it up. And so maybe I'll bring Vince, Vincent Pallon one of these days. That'd be great. So. He's, he's amazing, as you know. Yeah, I, I know. He's really talented. Yeah, he's yeah. a great guy, too. So looking to the future, both of you, uh, any goals for, um, for either of you or both of you? Uh, dreams for the future as you look forward? I do. Okay. If I may go. Yeah. So yeah. I've been yeah. working on this project and just looking for funding right now. I... I want to build. A, uh, I want to buy land and plant cacao and do a processing center in order to bring a lot of these beans that are being produced and 
either not fermented or not fermented properly, buy them, bring them to this facility and standardize the fermentation and, um, and then uh, accumulate beans and eventually start producing food service style slash grade chocolate for the industry and of course for retail. And um, at the same time doing agritourism and um, also have a, a kitchen to where we can teach people how to come and convert beans to bar basically mm. and uh and so it's a very uh extended plan in fact the county of hawaii was very much encouraging me and they you know under the previous mayor they really wanted me to get this off the ground and they were mm. offering me all kinds of grants and everything but mm. you know i just need the initial money and i have a a friend who owns a tequila company is working on this with me and, um, mm. you know, uh, to, to get this off the ground basically. But, uh, because every expert I brought here, they all say, that's the first thing Jacques Torres told me. He says, Arshid, if you can standardize this, you will have a chocolate that you can't keep enough of it on hand. And I know that for a fact, because, after I saw what Richard Foley did with that, uh, with those beads, I was like, wow, and we have mm -hmm. really, you know, uh, treasure here. Uh, well, hands, I, I so. think it'd be great for the island. Um, it'd be great for the, for the economy. And also, I think the idea of, of the educational side of it, too, it would be, you get, you get probably colleges, you know, when they do long distance field trips, sending, you know, sending yeah. the kids there. I think it's a great idea. Thank you. I know it's going to really benefit the industry uh, in the state, mm -hmm. uh, on the island, in the state, and also, uh, you know, generate basically become um, something like the Kona coffee has become or even surpass that actually. But according to some estimates, cacao is going to surpass the Kona coffee. In terms well, I, of, I'd uh, love to know, see that. Revenue. Yeah, I'd love to see that because there's only two. I mean, when I think of Kona, I think of the coffee, I think of now more so cacao, macadamia nuts, vanilla bean. But the, it seems to me that, I mean, I've, I've worked with chocolate quite a bit and there's, there's a love of, everybody in the world loves chocolate, you know, and I, I think um, this is just so, so special. And so to get the word out on Kona, you know, the chocolate through the cacao farms, through you guys, um, I think it's, it's a wonderful thing. And, and I can't wait to, you know, when, when we do this podcast, it's going to be, it, hopefully a lot of people will hear it. And uh, so as we close, is there any way to contact either of you that you'd like to share any um, contact information, a website or Instagram or anything? Sure. I mean, I could, uh, my Instagram handle is uh, at chocolate guy Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I could be reached uh, via Facebook or um, I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to contact me, email and uh, mm -hmm. We do have a website called uh, mm -hmm. Um They can uh, they can go through there, c o c o a outlet.com, and uh, and uh, you know we're right now we're looking for people who are interested to come and invest because this is going to be a huge project. And, um, or if anybody needs information on Kona cacao, or Hawaii cacao, or um, they want Hawaiian chocolate. Uh, you know, they can contact me or Ken and uh, we can set them up. That sounds great. And I, actually, I'd like to maybe 
off the call at some point, maybe you can email me some general information. I can get the word out here too. Um, All right. I'd love to, I'd love to. And, so. and I'd just like to, you know, uh, respond that I, I think that what Farshid is proposing is absolutely, we need a, a processing mm -hmm. entity here uh, that can take product from and create some standardization in the fermenting uh, here at, as we move toward uh, the brand of Kona Cacao, mm -hmm. um, I, which I think is really important, and that the market has to be expanded beyond the occasional bar sales or or, or the individual retail outlet. And I think this commercial chocolate is an opportunity into the hotels and the restaurants here as, as they move towards branding uh, as part being part of Kona as well. So mm -hmm. I think those are part. And if people need to get in touch with me, mine is, I'm, I'm not as well connected, uh, but I can be reached at ken at primavera.farm. Hmm. Yes, okay. farm Perfect. is a domain. Wow, nice. Okay, I've got that down. So, uh, is there any question that I didn't ask that you either of you would like to comment or discuss any any other areas before we close? I think you covered it all. I'm not sure if there's anything left. You guys covered it all. You're great guests. Well, thank you, Patrick, and uh, look forward to seeing you here in the, on the island. Same here. Aloha to you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram. And remember, we are available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on your social accounts. If you have any favorite topics or special guest requests, please let us know. You can find our contact information in the show notes. And be sure to like, comment, and share the show with your friends. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.